Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Hey, TCK Potters, welcome back to the program, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 216, Sky and Lucas back with you. We are breaking down rounds 9 through 16 with our least favorite picks per that round for each round in current ADP. If you have not heard the rest of our series on this, dialing back to last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we did uh, rounds 1 through 8 and then 9 through 16 in our favorite picks per round. And then on Thursday, we did rounds 1 through 8 in our least favorite pick per round. So make sure you go to check that out. We'll bring in Lucas here for just one second, but before we do that, I hope uh, and I want to give an extended uh, late Happy Father's Day to everybody out there um, that is blessed enough to be either a uh, official father of a child, uh, surrogate dad, uh, step parent, foster parent, bonus dad, as I like to call them. Anybody uh, shouts out to the moms out there pulling double duty because that's definitely a thing as well. So shouts out to everybody out there uh, taking care of children. So happy belated Father's Day to everybody that pertains to. Lucas, my man, welcome back. Happy Tuesday. I know that you brought you broke this down pretty well last week, but I'd like you again to kind of give the um, mentality of not thinking about our fades per se right now during ADP because it's June and this is all going to change by August, but more maybe breaking it down by player. Yeah, I think kind of along the lines of we, we're seeing an ADP shift, which is outrageous right now. The running backs are moving up. And for some of you listening, you might be like, I have no clue because maybe you don't look at that stuff right now. And to be honest, I don't really look at it too much um, unless we're like doing a video on it or something like that. But I guess what I was trying to like, what the point of it was is it's June. The ADP is going to shift again, probably next week, probably next week, probably the week after that. And then that's still not even July. So basically just wait till August to like actually dig into what you can actually do with it. Uh, use the draft guide to kind of build up uh, an idea or strategy or some stuff like this. And then, and then with that, go apply that to stuff like what we're doing. Go write down list of guys that you don't want at certain rounds, stuff like that. Um, so with some of these guys, they're, they're fine at – certain spots but they're obviously for the case of the video not the rounds that we mentioned them um so just keep that in mind because in the end you don't get to control the adp of the player because you're not the one picking the, the, the other 11 picks so you do have to kind of have that strategy uh in place going into this year i agree and you mentioned the draft guide which is coming out july 6th if you have not pre-ordered your draft guide yet you can click the link in the description and fill out a couple quick bubbles, give us your email address, and we'll get you logged in for one of three different packets that we are offering up this year for the TCK Pod Draft Guide. So if you like what we're bringing to you, 
via audio or video. You're going to love the written version. Lucas and I have, have been behind the scenes here for weeks and months with player profiles, team breakdowns, player comparisons, everything else, how to draft, all these things. So uh, make sure to go and support if you'd like to there, please. We appreciate it. All right, man, let's jump into this here. We are starting at round nine. Per usual, I'm going to read out the entire round of players to let everybody know which 12 players we're talking about in particular. I'll let you go first. You pick your player that you're least attracted to in this particular round right now. I will follow up, and we will go on. Round nine, Jordan Howard, Aaron Jones, Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, Philip Lindsay, Darius Slayton, Tevin Coleman, Marvin Jones, on Johnson, San Francisco defense, Tariq Cohen, and CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to throw out the defenses and probably most of the quarterbacks, and that's like a situational tier because in the end, people just draft kind of who they want with those spots kind of whatever. Um, so I'm going to go Emmanuel Sanders here. He's on my wall up above me. Nothing against him. Uh, he's just not going to have the market share to go ahead of Darius Slayton, Marvin Jones, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Christian Kirk, McCole Hardman, <laughs> Jamison Crowder. Like, it's just not really there, and I think – you could make the argument two years ago if he was transferring, but he was barely startable for the Broncos, for the Niners. Like, so, and in both those situations, he was the alpha. He was the guy that they looked to as the wide receiver one. And obviously Drew Brees, I'm sorry to say it, is better than Jimmy Garoppolo and Joe Flacco. But all, all in all, like this, they're another offense. I know I mentioned the Steelers were very like one-two punch centric. We every year we're kind of hoping for this breakout outside of the main guys on the Saints, and it seems like the Packers as of lately. But in reality, like we just need to accept that it's very Michael Thomas, Kamara, the occasional Jared Cook centric offense, and it's not going to get much more than that. Because in reality, if it if it was going to get much more than that, they would have done that in the draft. They would have added someone. They would have made this known prior to three, four years down the line of waiting for that to happen. So to Sanders, I would just say avoid because really what are you projecting? Because the number two pass catching option is Kamara. The number three is probably the tight end over the middle, just the way the offense runs. So I'm just going to avoid Sanders. Um, Obviously, if he's in the 10th, 11th round, sure, I'm not going to pose to it. But at at this ADP, I'm going to avoid it. I think that's a good call. I'm going to go with on Johnson, kind of a more – you know, I think this is maybe a – you're on one side of the fence or the other with on Johnson. You either believe that year three he could get healthy. We just talked about Darius Geis on the last episode about maybe he gets healthy in his third season, maybe he turns it around, all this other stuff. When on Johnson's been on the field, he's been pretty effective. His rookie season was great. He played 10 games, 118 carries, 640 yards, four touchdowns, another 200 receiving yards. So he was solid. As a sophomore, though, his production went down anyway, and then he got injured. He played just eight games. So he's played 18 games out of 32, not going to get it done. Pretty much half of his career he's been out. Uh, 123 total touches and just over 500 yards total. He did have four touchdowns, but in eight games he had 10 receptions. That's a big concern to me. He was under four yards per carry in eight games of work. Now they bring in DeAndre Swift who, depending on who you were listening to pre-draft, it was Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. Obviously, CEH goes first. We all know what happened there with the Chiefs. But pre-draft, on the board in a vacuum, it was DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor, period, no matter where they fell, pretty much. The Lions bring in DeAndre Swift. That's not a good sign for on Johnson. 
best case scenario for on Johnson is he maybe becomes Theo Riddick, maybe, but he's not Theo Riddick. As I just mentioned, 32 receptions as a rookie, solid. 10 in eight games, which would have paced out, what, 20 receptions over a whole season. Um, not going to get it done. He's not going to get the goal line work, I don't think. Eventually, I think Swift is going to take over maybe earlier down work to just lighten the load. 10 to 12 touches at a game versus 15 to 18, which you want from your starting running back uh, for carry on Johnson. I just don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Obviously, Matt Stafford was on his way to be a top five fantasy uh, quarterback before he went down. I just think that's going to happen all over again this year. In the ninth round, you can make the argument of like, why not? Why not grab who could be a healthy and a starting running back and he could work out? Sure. If you want to gamble, whatever. If you somehow get DeAndre Swift in like the sixth round and you want to handcuff with carry-on, I don't hate that. But if you're expecting carry-on Johnson to be a viable RB3 or a flex, I think you're fooling yourself, to be honest with you. So if, he's your, if you're running back, if he's your running back, four or five, take a, take a stab, sure. But in this round, I'd rather have a lot of other options there. So carry-on Johnson is a fade for me, unfortunately, because last year, uh, two years ago, he was one. He was a my guy, if you will. Um, but last year, I was also vouching for him to be a, a bounce-back candidate, and he just frankly wasn't as he got injured again. So 10 games as a rookie, eight games as a sophomore. Let's just hope he plays 12 games this year and we get production. But with DeAndre Swift coming in, pass-heavy offense, I'm going to fade my boy Carryon Johnson, yeah. although I am wishing yeah. him the best. This one's tough because I don't – I think it's a lot of counter – or not counterproductive. A lot of, like, the comments, I think, go against each other. Um, so everyone's like, DeAndre Swift is this elite pass catcher, so he's the starter. Swift's best season in college compared to Carryon Johnson's best season in college is eight more receptions for about the same amount of yards. So, like, that argument, sure, whatever, you can make the case. The draft capital, it's the same thing with Singletary and Moss. I hate that argument because there's literally the same draft capital. So, like, it's not a thing. You could argue that they're trying to replace him two years later, but not really because they don't really run a – and they, they don't – and everyone's like, they don't run a committee. So, that's why would you take on Johnson? Well, if they don't run a committee, why would you take DeAndre Swift in the fourth round? Or if they do run a committee, sorry. So, I think really the only reason I'd fade him is because of injury because in the end – I, I don't think it's DeAndre Swift's backfield. I think a guy that never had a full workload in college needs to prove that he can do it in the NFL first. Um, we kind of saw that with Sony. He, he never really – he kind of had a full work, – more of a workload than Swift did, but he comes in, he gets banged up. Todd Gurley gets one year of a full workload, then he's banged up. So, like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's a good spot where you could definitely capitalize um, on getting a good flex spot because um, LeGarrette Blunt for them was efficient. I mean, Bo Scarborough was a starter last year without catching the ball in fantasy. So I think there's definitely room for uh, improvement in this backfield. So there's week to week playability with carry on Johnson. But as you mentioned last episode, you would go with, if, with Philip Lindsay in this round, I would agree with you there. Jordan Howard, I would, I would have more faith in uh, than carry on Johnson with the weekly upside. And then Tevin Coleman, I'm not playing ever because, again, I, I just said last podcast and I've been saying for weeks, I think Jeff Wilson's already better than Tevin Coleman. But in a vacuum, I might even go Tevin Coleman if he's going to actually be the starter somehow for the Niners still. Carrion Johnson, I'm just going to fade. Tariq Cohen's in this round as well. Um, and he's a, I think he's a great value here in the ninth round as a PPR guy. So in this range, I just think there's other names with less question marks, more upside, better floor less competition potentially um, 
than Carrion Johnson. So as much as I love him, I got to fade him out. And I, I, I do love Carrion Johnson as a player. I mean, he led the, uh, led the SEC coming out of Auburn, which is no small task, right, in rushing yards. So dude's a beast when he's healthy. But, man, I got to see it to believe it. So, look, if I'm burned by Darius Geis, who I punted in the sixth round, and I'm burned by um, uh, Sony Michelle in the seventh round, who I punted, and I'm burned by Carrion Johnson, all these guys coming into the third year, if I'm burned by all these dudes and they blow up, I would love to eat my words. Unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to be the case, so I'm going to, I'm going to pass on those guys. Okay, let's get into the 10th round here. Carson Wentz, Henry Ruggs, Buffalo defense, Matt Stafford, Christian Kirk, Latavius Murray, Jared Cook, Miko Hardman, Baltimore defense, Jamison Crowder, Baker Mayfield, and Zach Moss. Yeah, mine's Henry Ruggs here. Um, I just think he's the worst option in this round, excluding defenses, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot of good value here, I think. Um, and it really, Ruggs here comes down to name a ton of prototypes like this receiver that we've seen break out or have fantasy value. I can think of one, and it's Tyreek Hill because he's attached to Mahomes and Andy Reid. And Derek Carr and John Gruden are nowhere close to even half of what Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are. And he's going ahead of the wide receiver like 12 last year and John Brown, Christian Kirk, who's a beast. McCole Hartman, who scored five, six touchdowns on 26 catches. Crowder's locked in for 10 points a game. Jefferson's probably locked in for 10 points a game. Pittman, you could argue that, I guess, or whatever. Anthony Miller was literally like the wide receiver seven in the last five weeks last year. Uh, John Brown, like I mentioned. I would probably argue Deshaun Jackson over Ruggs, maybe, depending on the team. Like, it's just way too early. Preston Williams, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins. I get it's still a bad pick, but in the 12th round, like, come on. Like, there's, there's no need to reach for a guy that, to me, like, he isn't the wide receiver one. Like, if he was, they wouldn't have taken Brian Edwards, Lynn Bowden. Like, I mean, that's obviously, like, not a huge argument, but I just think it's – I don't know. It's just – the last time we saw a Raiders receiver was Amari Cooper be fantasy relevant. And that was because there was no other competition besides Crabtree and the team was actually hitting. Now you have Ruggs, Bowden, Edwards, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Jason Witten, Devontae Booker, Jalen Richard, Josh Jacobs, Foster Moreau, and Derek Carr's the quarterback. Like he can't sustain all those guys. So I think it's just a trap kind of waiting to happen. Yeah, but Mariota can. So that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's really difficult, man. Once we got to the 10th round and I was making my picks, I actually had a really tough time because at some point everybody's got value in fantasy football. So these picks get harder and harder. So people are probably going to hear us be like, dude, why are you fading Henry Ruggs? Like, yeah. it's the 10th round. Why the fuck not, you know? I Honestly, dude, I do think he's the number one. Straight up, I do. Um, I think he's a better deep threat than Tyrell Williams already. He's also not just a deep threat. Um, I think he's going to be able to kind of do some slot work. He's going to be able to get mismatches. I think he's going to be fine. I worry about Derek Carr for sure, so I'm not necessarily excited to draft Henry Ruggs, but I do think that in a deeper league I would take a chance just because I think he's got the huge weekly upside, obviously. And he's not just uh, like a, a Deshaun Jackson. He's not just a burner. I think he's he's much more talented than that. And because he's been kind of pigeonholed, at, pigeonholed as that guy running the 40 the way that he did and all this shit, Ford 2 because he did that, I think that people are really kind of negating the fact that he is an all-around receiver, I think. Um, so, again, the 10th round, I would actually take a chance on Henry Ruggs, I think. I'm going to actually punt maybe the other questionable receiver here, who I, I love that you just said, 
his efficiency was incredible and he is very, very talented. And in dynasty or even deeper than this, I might take a chance on him, but Miko Hardman for me this year is a fade at, at the 10th round. Um, <clears throat> there's definitely, an, uh, there's, there's the arguments. Of course, the commission boys had a great episode on, um, younger second third round wide receivers which we did as well and made the case for Miko Hardman I don't dislike Miko Hardman in general if Tyreek Hill actually goes down I think Miko Hardman is just the next Tyreek Hill he was literally drafted to be the next Tyreek Hill when Tyreek was in legal trouble um, two years ago my issue is that with Tyreek Hill healthy Miko Hardman is at best the fourth look in this offense now the fourth look with the Chiefs (laughs) is better than the second look in most offenses, but he's still the fourth look. Um, to me, it's going to be Tyreek Hill, of course, Travis Kelsey, CEH, maybe even Sammy Watkins, and then Miko Hardman. So is Miko Hardman going to have a couple games this season with six receptions, 120 yards, and two touchdowns? Absolutely. But I think, again, he's also going to have a couple where he has two receptions for 26 yards and, and nothing. And I just don't want – the floor to fall out like that. So until Tyreek Hill is either gone or has a different situation or Miko Hardman really establishes himself as a true number two receiver uh, with Sammy Watkins still there uh, and Demarcus Robinson, who's kind of the sleeper of that whole offense. He's very capable as well. I just, um, I just don't see it. Unfortunately, there's other guys in here, Jamison Crowder, PPR machine. I'd rather take a chance on him late. Christian Kirk, we mentioned last time, was actually one of our grabs in this round with maybe 100 balls potentially in this offense. And, again, Henry Ruggs I would even take a chance on. So, Miko Harbin would be the guy that I would punt in this one. Let's get into the 11th round here. Steelers defense, Darrell Henderson, Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, Austin Hooper, Tony Pollard, New England defense, Big Ben, Anthony Miller, Daniel Jones, John Brown, and Noah Fant. Yeah, this one was also tough. I just went Daniel Jones because I, I just I there's not there's not the ceiling people think there is, and I know we broke it down um, with the schedule and everything. And I think really the more you look at it, like he just wasn't good last year. Like it was plain and simple. Like the 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 Giants dropped in DVOA ten spots. So the DVOA is a measurement like above the average. Um, in any way, slides to quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. This was total team DVOA. So in a season where Eli Manning played terrible and got benched for, I'm pretty sure, a Richmond quarterback was 10 spots higher than Daniel Jones' breakout season, you could say. Uh, Daniel Jones, um, he played in 11 games. I'm pretty sure seven of those games were less than 14 fantasy points, not startable. The other four were like 30-plus. And he has the second-hardest schedule based on win total. So, like – you're not drafting guy in the 11th round in one quarterback league that like, Hmm, I might play him four weeks or like, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's just a wasted pick in my eyes. And I know he mentioned the whole, like people are going to drop him, Then you pick him up. But like, even that though, that's still risky. Cause I still think that he's a young quarterback. Obviously there was question marks around his draft capital because of the talent. Like we just didn't know. And it's not like no training camp as a starter is going to fix that. So I just think it's, he's being drafted super high. Um, and in this this ADP, it's not as bad because in, in, like, Fantasy Mojo and stuff, he's going ahead of, like, Carson Wentz, Stafford, Big Ben. He's only really going ahead of Big Ben in this one, so it's not as bad. Um, 
really. But even in the later rounds, like it's just not a. I just don't think it's a good pick. I just, I just think it's in the end you can just drop him and pick up another quarterback. But like you don't want to put that like it's not pressure. But like there, there is some. I don't know. You could you could go get Anthony Miller, who's going to get you a flex week, probably four out of the, the sixteen weeks, or take Daniel Jones. But you could literally just take Jared Goff in this sample three three weeks, three rounds later, he'll start every week for you type thing. So I think it's just a little too early for my liking. Um, and I think he won't break out until you could say next year. I'm a little more bullish on Daniel Jones in general. We did see some up games. He's got a ton of weapons. Everybody stays healthy. He didn't play a game last year with all of his receivers and Saquon Barkley healthy with Evan Ingram. So if that actually happens for a stint this year, I really do think you, uh, we can see that. I have seven. a – I actually, I actually figured out – I broke that down. I'll, I'll read it off here. So please, the teammate, please do. In the, in the teammate battles, you'll see it uh, if you get the draft guide. So I took every single possible sample for each receiver, right? So with Shepard – so for, for Slayton, with Shepard, without Shepard, with Tate, without Tate, with Ingram, without Ingram, with Manning, without Manning, with Jones, without Jones, right? There's, there's that many samples for all of them. So I took their points per game total on the season. And I subtracted whatever they got. So points per game total on the season minus the points per game for each split. And then I added that together to find the sum of the plus minus differential to show uh, this really has nothing to do with Daniel Jones, but I guess it's the Giants in whole. Um, Because I did an episode with Dwayne about offenses to avoid. So I took the points per game total on the season. So let's just say 15 minus say the points per game with Shepard was 10. So that's plus five. And I'd do that for every single player. And the sum of all those, and, and in your in theory, you want as close to zero as possible, right? Because you want to be able to be relied on close to your normal average for no matter the situation. And the plus minus sums for, for each receiver was Slayton minus 10, Shepard 11, and Tate 6. So in reality, there is no alpha. And I know this has nothing to do with Daniel Jones, but I guess it has proven my point that I think this offense is going to be way too confusing to actually slice down and know who to play, when to play, um, because there's, just, there's too many samples to actually draw a conclusion from it. So I think it's just kind of a just pivot elsewhere type strategy. Um, and that, that's more for the receiving aspect of it. But, like, even though – even that's so, like, who is Daniel Jones wide receiver one? There is no answer. Obviously, like, based on, like, their production last year, they're not having the training camp to build up the rapport. So that I was just an interesting thing that I did that will be in the teammate battles. Um, that I think solved how to evaluate splits. I don't, I don't know. Cause there's a lot like the, the dolphins are a good example. The Steelers are a good example. So we'll have to look into that a little more to see if that actually is a true way to evaluate it. So wouldn't the easy rebuttal just say that while that is a pain in the ass for the receivers, why not just get Daniel Jones then? Because you know, all the receivers are talented. Yeah, I, I think that's true too. I, I don't know. It's it's just tough for me because I know the offense wasn't what it was, and you're bringing in two new coaches. You don't have a good alpha receiver. The tight end is still the priority when he's healthy, when he's probably healthy six, seven games. So, I, yeah, I can, I, I can see a world where, like, Daniel Jones is the QB5, and I'm just completely wrong. And I, I see that visibly, but, like, I just don't want to mess with that because I, I, I feel like I weigh the, the negative outcomes, the games without his 28-plus his points. I think that's weighted more on that side than people really are imagining. Um, 
I guess. And that's just the way I think I look at like just football in general. Like one <laughs> one offensive lineman that hasn't played a snap in the NFL doesn't fix your O line in reality. Your defense is still like one corner doesn't fix your defense. So I think it's just maybe a year too early on the Giants as a whole. So just to pester a little bit more, because I'm interested in this, and I'm not really doing this to like battle you on this because I don't necessarily disagree, but talent aside, I'm not comparing Dak Prescott to Daniel Jones. I'm not comparing, you know, the the Cowboys receivers talent-wise to the Giants receivers. But situationally, what is different between the Cowboys offense with all the weapons, not really sure which wide receiver we want to grab at the ADP, Amari's too expensive, C.D. Lamb's a rookie, Um, fucking Michael Gallup's fallen off the planet at this point. Then, of course, Saquon and Zeke are themselves. But everybody, including us, has Dak top five, no question about it. You and I have him number three easily, easily because of the weapons. Now, again, talent, fine, whatever. But what is so drastically different with the Cowboys than it is the Giants situationally where all of those receivers, as much of a pain in the ass as they'll be to themselves, they're all adequate weapons for arguably what should be a pretty productive offense with that coach, (laughs) Jason Garrett, that – you know, used to be that guy for, yeah. for the Cowboys just a couple of years ago. I guess I'm playing devil's advocate only because I know that Daniel Jones on one hand is a huge kind of a sleeper and a huge breakout candidate this year. On the other hand, there's people thinking like you are of like, I know it's in there, but not yet. Also, you and I did bring up that he has the worst schedule, at least on paper preseason of all quarterbacks. So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of these arguments. I guess yeah. I'm just throwing out one more devil's advocate for conversation. I think- like, the comparison is there, but I think the way you have to look at it is, like, the Giants were terrible last year. He did not play – like, he did, like, actually not play good. And you have to be good at football to put up fantasy points, right? Or you're the Josh Allen effect and you're terrible at football, but your team is so good and you're putting great situations to score touchdowns and to run the ball that it doesn't matter. That's I don't think that's the case for the Giants. I mean, like, that same comp goes for, like, why isn't Drew Locke that high? Why isn't Baker Mayfield producing that high when his team is probably better? I would argue that the Browns' offense is just as good as the Cowboys' offense and way better than the Giants from an all-around standpoint, and they still couldn't put it together last year. Uh, there's a ton. There's a ton of, like, the Rams last year. Like, what couldn't they put it together for the first half of the year? Because their O-line rated good, right? And I, I mean, like, obviously, I trust the numbers, but in reality, numbers come from film, if you, if you will. Like, you have to take numbers into account. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just tough because I think – I don't know. I, I, we, just, we, we rarely see quarterbacks produce out of just like in such an up-down fashion out of a bad offense. Like obviously everyone's like, well, watch Gardner Minshew last year, blah, blah, blah. Like, but Gardner Minshew, like he was actually good. He was actually throwing touchdowns. And I don't know. It's just too up and down, especially in a one-quarterback league like you say – I'm all about streaming quarterbacks, but I'm not just like throwing in random like Ryan Fitzpatrick because he plays the Bengals maybe. Or like you still have to be smart about like when you play your streamers. And so I think it just gets kind of overvalued maybe. But like I said, he could easily finish his QB six. And I'd be like, makes sense. Like it's definitely there. Um, and I just miss out on him because I'm not going to draft him that high. Cool. Fair enough. All right. I'm going to dive into Darrell Henderson. This comes down to – um, I just don't think he's going to get as much work as everybody wants him to. Last year, he was, what, sixth round? Uh, once once word came out that Todd Gurley had blown knees, Darrell Henderson fucking, 
right? He was Alexander mm-hmm. Madison, and he was getting picked in the sixth round, and people were getting bummed if he didn't end up scooping him. And <laughs> yeah, Anyway, Todd bad. Gurley comes back. He was fine. Darrell Henderson ends up as a rookie, 39 carries, under 150 yards, four receptions, no touchdowns on the season. He obviously didn't do anything. I think he gets more work this year, obviously, but there's still Malcolm Brown, who the Rams like, and actually was quite productive in um, before uh, when Todd Gurley went down and C.J. Anderson came in two years ago and led him to the Super Bowl. It was supposed to be Malcolm Brown, uh, and he actually got injured and faded out. Um, but I think the Rams still like him. Of course, they bring in Cam Akers, who we both like out of Florida State. Um, I just – I don't think that Darrell Henderson is going to get the work and not enough to be a fantasy reliable option ever outside of two injuries. He had four receptions as a rookie. He's not going to get the pass, ca- pass catching work. He might get first and second downs, which we see with the Rams potentially could be awesome. But last year they had, they had the worst ranked offensive line, 31st ranked offensive line with the run, right? They were best against the pass. We know that they want to chuck it down there. Now, could Henderson end up like Gurley and accidentally end up with double-digit touchdowns? I guess, but I'm not going to bank on that. And even if he does and he's the goal line guy and he gets 10 touchdowns, I, he only, I think he's only going to have maybe, what, 400 yards rushing? That's not, that's not going to even out, right? Like, I, yeah. I just I don't want that. I'll take a shot on Akers because I think he's got the talent. He's got the pass-catching ability. He's probably the guy you want in this Rams backfield. Obviously, nobody talks about Malcolm Brown. I get it, but he's in there. For me, Darrell Henderson just isn't the pick, period. And in this range, I'm looking at many other options. Um, Justin Jefferson, I'll take a risk on uh, for sure with the, the slot role there. Michael Pittman, I've already mentioned that. Tony Pollard with the Zeke connection. Anthony Miller, John Brown, Noah Fant. I'll take all those guys over Darrell Henderson. Yeah, I mean it- – there, there is no committee. Like, it's not a committee backfield. And people are be like, well, well, the Roto world says it is. The team didn't take a $20 million cap hit when they have cornerback need, linebacker need, D-line need, edge rusher need, offensive line need. And then go take Cam Akers in round one when they could have just held on to Gurley, who, like, Gurley was so bad last year. Like, sure. But, like, was he bad on your fantasy team? He wasn't bad in real life. Like, he, he got the job done when he needed to. And – on top of that, Henderson would have had his opportunity. He would have broke out last year because the draft capital was there and the situation was there with Gurley's knee, whatever. But then Malcolm Brown slid right in week one, and they were like, here you go. Here's the goal line work. So, like, it's it's Akers and then maybe Brown to start the season. But it's, it's Akers all day. So, I wouldn't waste your time with Henderson because um, I don't know what you're expecting to get in return out of him because he's, he's – he would have he would have had more work last year if Gurley was that banged up, and they obviously did not like Gurley just by cutting him and taking the cap hit for no apparent reason. Yeah, Cam Akers, fifty second pick overall in the second round. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be using him obviously. Uh, good size back to five ten two twenty. That's definitely full time work. And on top of that, Darrell Henderson is rehabbing from a surgically repaired ankle. Obviously, you don't want that with your running back. No, I'll pass on Darrell Henderson. All right, man, twelfth round here. Uh, we have Chicago defense, Drew Locke, Justin Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, Joe Burrow, Jalen Reger, Chargers defense, Preston Williams, Chase Edmonds, Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard, and Phillip Rivers. Yeah, this one's Sammy Watkins, and it's based off the fact that, like, 
this is this isn't even like a bad value, but it's like when are you ever gonna start him if he's on your team, right? Like week one, baby. Like he had like seven targets a game, and I don't even know what he finished. I don't even care to look because people know how bad it was. Uh, I remember he went off week one, and then like my friend put him in his lineup against me, and he's like, "Well, why didn't you do anything in week two? And I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this, this is this is this is why you gotta watch the football games." Like he went off in week one because he was playing the Raiders, and he was getting like single coverage by like Gary on Conley. Like that that's why he went off. Like I mean. I don't know. It's just not there. He would talk about retiring. He restructured his contract. McCall Hardman's going to start over him. Like, it's just the 12th round, though. Like, if you take him, I'm not going to, like, be like, oh, your team sucks. Because, like, yet again, this could be another breakout type thing. But compared to this round, like, I think all three quarterbacks could be quarterback ones. I think Deshaun Jackson, Rager, Williams, Shepard are all good picks at this round. I think Chase Edmonds is a fantastic pick in this round. Justin Jackson, same thing there. But yeah, just don't take Watkins. I don't. I don't know what you're expecting to get from him in terms of fantasy value. You know, I'm here for you, bro. So at Jacksonville, actually, not Oakland. At he Sorry, played, same uh, difference. Played played Oakland in week two, and actually Oakland shut him down. Um, week one at Jacksonville against this incredible defense that was absolutely fucking horrible. <laughs> Eleven targets, nine receptions, one ninety eight. And three touchdowns for Sammy Watkins, 22 yards per catch. The next week, 13 targets. He had double-digit targets four times on the season, but he only had more than five receptions, uh, one, two, three, four times on the season. So I agree with you, man. Sammy Watkins, definitely uh, a trickster there. I would not be conf- uh, confident with him. I love my Clemson receivers, um, but unfortunately he's just – he's terribly – Terribly uh, unpredictable, and if it's not the NFL playoffs, I'm not playing Sammy Watkins. I'm going to go with Deshaun Jackson. Um, I don't know that I need much of a case here. He's old. He's injured. He's a one-trick pony. Very, very good one-trick pony in his heyday, uh, but a one-trick pony nonetheless. Jalen Rager comes in. Um, The ghost of Alshon Jeffrey is still in there. Um, You know, they got Miles Sanders, obviously. They got the two tight ends. I just don't in the in the twelfth round, again, you're throwing darts. This is hard for us to punt these guys because again, most of these players are like, why not take a risk? Like, why not draft Deshaun Jackson? Have him as your wide receiver five. And if guys get hurt, you're doing bye weeks and pick them up. All right, like cool. If you draft like that, awesome. But I'm drafting like Jalen Rager instead in this round. I'm drafting Preston Williams. I'm drafting Sterling Shepard, who are all gonna have week to week usage and upside and if they get an injury or two on each of those teams those guys are going to skyrocket to wide receiver one Deshaun Jackson even if he's the wide receiver one he's made a glass anyway even if he's healthy you know he's going to blow up uh, for a couple of games but he's also going to fade just like McCall Hardman as I mentioned and um, some of these other big boom bust uh, wide receivers I just I don't want that on my team a few years ago of course you're loving Deshaun Jackson but he's faded and he's injured now and I just I can't believe in him. So I'm going to fade uh, Deshaun Jackson here, e- even in the 12th round. And actually, I'm going to steamroll into the 13th and uh, go right into my next pick, actually, because it's Alshon Jeffrey as yeah, well. That's fine, too. Okay. So in the third, let me read it off real quick then. Um, Denver defense Duke Johnson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mike Williams, Antonio Gibson, Justin Tucker, Mike Kosicki, TJ Hawkinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Harrison Butker, Anthony McFarlane, and Brashad Perryman. 
So Alshon Jeffrey, and I'll, I'll let you take it, I guess, because I just gave some steam on Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. But, yeah. again, lower body injuries we hate. Everybody's hating on, on A.J. Green. Same shit going on with Alshon Jeffrey. But Alshon Jeffrey, I have no confidence in Alshon Jeffrey, period. I have all the confidence in A.J. Green if he's healthy. Huge difference. Same situation. I am, I'm punting both of the veteran receivers for the Eagles. I'm going Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, maybe Jalen Rager in a deep league, maybe Carson Wentz if he really falls to me. But there's no league, period. And I'm drafting either Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, obviously, the injuries. When he's come back the last two years, he's been like a flex at best. And they put him on the trade block every single year. And there's a reason he hasn't been traded because his contract's front-loaded. Uh, the Eagles like to go in win-now mode quite a bit, so they front-load their contracts. And it never really seems to hurt them uh, because they, they have a smart coaching staff. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think he plays. I don't think they force him back because they could care less if he's actually playing. They're, trying to, they're the ones trying to get rid of him every year, and I think Jeffrey realizes that. So I just think it's – in theory, it's like, oh, my gosh, Alshon Jeffrey in the whatever round, 13th round is a good pick. But, like, when he's back, and then you have to put yourself in a decision, like, do I play Jeffrey or do I play, I don't know, DK in my flex? Or like, And then you just ruin your chances by even thinking about something like that. So I think it's just kind of a don't even put yourself in that situation spot. I agree. 14th round, man, just a couple more here, three more rounds. 14th round, we've got uh, Carlos Hyde. Tennessee defense, Jared Goff, Golden Tate, Will Lutz, Greg Zerline, Jonu Smith, Ryan Tannehill, Dallas Goddard, Boston Scott, Blake Jarwin, Naheem Hines. This one's tough. Again, uh, really yeah. tough because at this point – sorry to cut you off. At this point in your draft, pick whoever the fuck you want. I'm going to throw that out there. That's, that's deep analysis from the TCK yeah. pod. Yeah. When you're in the 14th round, pick whoever the fuck you want. You can quote me on that. Take it to your draft boards. But if we're really nitpicking, this is why we're picking these players. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Jamal Williams was in the 14th round, and now he's not even listed. So that was my pick a couple of days ago. So that's to show that, like, not a good pick. Um, I'm going to go Dallas Goddard because he's the worst one in this pick. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm not going to draft a handcuffed tight end. I don't think it's a necessary. Well, I'll, I'll bring this up really quick because you don't seem to have one necessarily – dialed in because Jamal Williams fell out as we refreshed the ADP from a few days ago. Uh, I'm going to throw one at you because you brought, you brought all the shit up and I just happened to pick him as well. I picked Golden Tate and I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there that I love Golden Tate. Dude's a beast. He's a PPR machine. I think he brings you value. And honestly, in the 14th round, he's probably a value, (laughs) but, but for sake of argument and what you just said about all the Daniel Jones discussion we just had with all these receivers, that is the argument. There's too many mouths to feed. You just mentioned that they all kind of eat each other. So what is the ceiling of a Golden Tate game? Eight receptions, 100 yards, two touchdowns. I think the one thing with him, and if I have to draft him, it's going to be him because we see without Evan Ingram, uh, he has the highest jump, right? He has the highest jump from 11 to 15, where the others where Shepard goes from 15 to 12 points. Slayton goes from 9 to 14. Um, so, like, in perspective to, like, the point differential, obviously Slayton is five points up. But, obviously, that makes sense, right? Like, I think that's the one thing you can manipulate. Like, you take you you take the guy that plays over the top and you replace him with the guy that plays on, underneath. So, I think I, – I don't know if I'd want to have Tate because I'd always be tempted to throw him into my flex. Like, oh, he gets me eight a week. Let's toss him in there. 
uh, when, when in reality there's 9 million players that can get you eight a week. Um, but I think if I had to pick one, it'd be him because I know Evan Ingram's going to get hurt and he takes the biggest jump uh, from that. But like you said, like it's, you don't know who the starter is. So I guess like in reality to like that receiving core, I guess the point of these teammate battles is to show you like, like I said, maybe why you should pivot or take the cheaper option, but maybe why you should just not put yourself in that position to, to begin with, not have to rely on taking these guys because there is too much controversy. So the only thing I'd say for Tate is like with Ingram out, he is the alpha, uh, rightfully so, due to the, the composition of the wide receiver core. But like, I mean, who, but when is Ingram out? We don't know. You can't predict that in your fantasy team. So it's just, yeah, I, I think he definitely qualifies for the, the worst pick here. Yeah, I agree. Last year he had a career low. He did play 11 games because he got injured. He also got hurt in 2018. He did not miss a game before um, 2018, but he's missed uh, four or five over the last couple seasons. Just 49 receptions, 85 yards, and uh, about 670 yards and six touchdowns. So he actually had a kind of a career high in touchdowns on the efficiency, but I, again, I'm with you. I think that uh, there's other mouths to feed that I would rather have. Honestly, that entire offense, I'd rather have every single other option. We'll see. Darius Slayton, for sure. Evan Ingram, for sure. Saquon, of course. Daniel Jones, yes. Sterling Shepard, even, probably, for me. So, I'm going to take every other option in that offense uh, other than Golden Tate. So, I'm with you. I mean, he's strictly a floor guy. Um, now, Golden Tate's probably one of those guys who's not going to produce much, so he might end up on your waiver wires. And if you have a bye week or something like that, he can get you 8 to 12 points. Stream him. Uh, but I'm not excited to draft him. When I can take the upside, here's the difference of these arguments that we're having. It's not that we necessarily hate, you know, um, Golden Tate. It's that there's upside maybe in these draft picks that we can get instead. You mentioned Boston Scott last episode or last week. Naheem Hines is in here, a pass catching back for Phillip Rivers. I love that. He could maybe be some version of Austin Eckler this year. Blake Jarwin. Um, John o. Smith with upside tight ends here. If you're going kicker, there's two of the best kickers in the league here. Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff give you value as a late-round quarterback, Tennessee's defense. So there's other value here in, in this round. All yeah, right. for sure. 15th round, two more rounds here. And as Lucas mentioned earlier, you can catch all those team breakdowns and comparisons in the draft guide coming out July 6th. Make sure if you haven't yet, hit the link in the subscription to fill out our one-minute survey. It's like three bubbles. Give us your email address. Give us your name. And uh, please uh, pick which package you would like from us, and uh, we'll get you dialed up July 6th. TCK Pod Draft Guide is dropping. 15th round, Damian Harris, A.J. Dillon, Vikings defense, Nikhil Harry, Alan Lazard, Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Darrington Evans, Robbie Gold, Adrian Peterson, Zane Gonzalez, and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, this one's tough. I mean, there's a lot of defenses and kickers. I just threw those out, like I said. Cause there's, there's a lot of value here, surprisingly. Um, I went Ebron just because he's going ahead of my boy Jack Doyle, I guess, if that's a valid valid reason to to put him here. Uh, I like Ebron, but, like, he's, like, my, like, if I absolutely have to play him guy. I mean, like, I guess I can go through wide and pick the other guys. So, Damian Harris, premier hand, handcuff, probably. A.J. Dillon, premier handcuff. Nikhil Harry, like, uh, why is he down here, like I said last round? Lazard is the Green Bay wide receiver, too. Doyle, I think, is a top 12 tight end. Evans, premier handcuff. Like, AP, like, 
bad pick, I guess. But like, but when he's the main guy, he was startable in the flex. And like, yet again, the whole upside thing that'll be in the draft guide. Like, why why is he a good pick here? Because he scores you fantasy points. That's the only thing you can control is how many fantasy points you score. And then like Ayuk, I don't even like want to put him in a category because I have no clue what his role is going to be. Um, but so we'll see. but but he. In year one, I think his up his upside and his ceiling in that offense is going to be Debo as a as a rookie, which was fucking killer. Yeah. Um, and now everybody loves Debo. There's definitely a world where next year Brandon Ayuk is Debo of this year, and Debo keeps growing. So mm-hmm. I love all that upside. I'm with you. <clears throat> and actually, Eric Ebron, I'm I'm passing on tight end wise uh, <clears throat> because you're playing the you're playing the 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 touchdown or or bus game, which I just don't like. However. Big Ben does love the tight end historically. We just mentioned Deontay Johnson and, and James Washington. Who knows how they're actually going to mold with Big Ben outside of Juju. With the tight end, with the touchdown upside that Ebron has, two years ago with Andrew Luck, he was second in the NFL with 14 total touchdowns, tied with Devontae Adams, behind only Antonio Brown, 13 total receiving touchdowns from Eric Ebron. He can do it, obviously. He didn't break out in, in Detroit. They sent him to Indianapolis. It happened. Eric Ebron, I say this with all these high, I just said it with fucking Gronk last episode. Eric Ebron could accidentally have 50 receptions, five to 600 yards, and eight touchdowns. If he does that, he's a top 12 tight end. And if he does, if he does that, he's in the 15th round. So why not? But I'm with you. The guaranteed upside is not there. There's other options. Nikhil Harry, Alan Lazard, Damian Harris even. You mentioned A.J. Dillon last episode. Darrington Evans as a handcuff. And um, Brendan Ayuk even with the upside. Smash plays. I'm with you. I did actually pick Adrian Peterson, and I, I, I hear you, but Adrian Peterson's upside is five years ago. Um, he, is, he might get you 100 yards on 37 carries because that's what the Redskins do, but I'm not banking on that. I think Rivera's going to come in and really kind of divide up that offensive uh, uh, running back core with seven guys. They bring in your boy Antonio Gibson. That's a big deal. Darius Geis as much as I'm concerned about him, should and hopefully will be a factor. They've got McKissick in the backfield. they got fucking Bryce Love. I mean, they have so many options back there. You know, Peyton Barber, who's basically a younger version of, of what Adrian Peterson is now in his career at least, for AP to get 10 to 12 rushes a game, I think is reasonable. For him to get 15, I don't. And for him to get 80 yards a game, I don't think it's going to happen. I think AP's stat line on average is going to be 12 carries, 65 yards, half a touchdown maybe on the season. You can start him for the first four to six weeks, but if Darius Geis is healthy and all these other younger running backs come up, I think AP is just going to fade into oblivion, unfortunately. And frankly, it sounds crazy because of the name and the fact that Antonio or uh, Adrian Peterson's a a Hall of Famer in fantasy football standards. But there's definitely a chance where he just kind of fades out and like doesn't have a role if all these guys stay healthy. So I'm fading uh, Adrian Peterson. Let's go here. Last round, brother, and we'll get out of here. Chris, uh, sorry, I had Christian Kirk. Definitely not. Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Ito Smith, Robbie Anderson, Tua Tagovailoa, Hunter Renfro, Tampa Bay defense, Curtis Samuel, Youngway Koo, my man, for Atlanta. Um, if nobody's ever looked up the uh, – YouTube Young Way Koo. Um, he's got some great trick shot kicks. Very, very impressive, actually. So maybe he's my sleeper in this round here in the 16th. Uh, Larry Legend, all the way down here. 
Chiefs defense and Kaimi Fairbairn. Who is your last fade in the 16th round? It's, I guess, Larry Fitz, but, like, in reality, like, he's actually not a bad fantasy guy to have on your team. Larry Fitz is going to be top 12 at least until week four. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, this, like, disclaimer, like, if you're at this part of the draft, don't rely on, like, actually picking good players. Like, this is where you take every single handcuff possible. This is where you take your second and third tight end. Like, you don't, like, you don't. Upside only. I know. Like, and I'm, like, I'm I'm saying Larry Fitz isn't a bad pick because he's literally not like if you need a flex spot and you literally don't have any other options Larry Fitz can definitely give you that so it's I guess Larry Fitz I don't know Hunter Renfro because he just sucks like he's like people think <laughs> like people think he's like this like breakout candidate because his yards per route run were his only metric that graded like top 10 of the rookie class last year and it's just so bad like I don't know. It's how do you feel about Curtis Samuel, who was like the most hyped receiver last year? He's a beast. Like, like to be honest, I think people are gonna try and decide on who's the two in Carolina. And the way I think of this offense is like I think it's gonna be a McCaffrey, DJ Moore, or there's gonna be like seven players you can start. Um, because because in reality, they're running a they're running a college offense. So what do you see in college offenses? You see spread out. You you don't see workhorses in college for a reason. Not because the talent's not there, but because like they just spread the offense out when they don't run a pro style offense, which is Matt rule does not run a pro style offense. So that's either going to be a really good thing for all those receivers, or you're not going to be able to start Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel at all. But like 16th round for Curtis Samuel, also a joke. Cause he was going to like the seventh round last year. And like, I get that drop-offs can happen. And like, they, they are not, um, rare to happen but like that's insane like and it's not that he played bad he had Kyle freaking Allen as his quarterback if everyone's hyping up DJ Moore because Kyle Allen was his quarterback you can't be lowering Curtis Samuel's ADP by nine rounds because Kyle Allen was his quarterback so I think him and Robbie are both good picks here I don't know how much you're going to start either of them but like the if they hit that's when you just trade them instantly for something that you could use you know who's really good at Big 12 style passing attacks like Matt Rule likes to coach when he was at Baylor. My boy, Will Greer, who is definitely going to be the best quarterback in Carolina. You can mark my words right now. The only memory I have. I'm going to pick Teddy Bridgewater. And I know my boy Curly's listening, childhood brother. And he actually, you know, Curly loves to give you accolades, Lucas, because you always have Teddy's back. So you're more than welcome to bring it on to me here. But like, it's just not – Teddy doesn't give me any upside, okay? Can Teddy Bridgewater give me, like, 270 yards and maybe three accidental dump downs to fucking Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore that they score, not that Teddy threw them? Yes, because they're incredible. But he doesn't give me upside that I would want here. Kirk Cousins, as much as I don't like him, gives me a little bit of upside from week to week. Tua could potentially give me upside if I sit on him for the season. These other receivers, Robbie Anderson, I'll dig it. Hunter Renfro, I'll pass. Curtis Samuel, I'll go with. Larry Fitz, I'll even go with. The kickers and defenses, if that's what I'm doing, then fine. For me, Teddy Bridgewater, I, he's just – he's got a little bit of hype going on. I believe it. Look, I love the guy, and I'm super rooting for him because he had both of his legs torn off in his career, and he's still playing. I love the Teddy Two Gloves. He was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson at Louisville. Let's not forget about that, folks. I'm rooting for Teddy Bridgewater. But for fantasy football, he's not going to make my roster, even in the 16th round, 
I hate to say it. I do not picture a situation ever that I start Teddy Bridgewater with what I know Teddy Bridgewater to be at this point in his career. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a big believer in the whole like college wave of offenses. Cause like, that's how you win football games. Um, well, not necessarily, I guess, because, because the Patriots went with the pro style offense, but they also cheat and throw <laughs> dump downs, but anyway. no, like, I mean, you see, you see teams breaking out like the Rams and the Cardinals and, I mean, you could say the Niners. The Bengals coming up. Yeah, they all use college offenses because it, the only reason it works is because NFL defensive coordinators are typically old, old-fashioned. They don't know how to stop that. And no, no teams are built to have six to seven defensive backs. And I think um, – like I know the Broncos, for example, that's all they're going to do this year, surprisingly, because they have no defensive back depth. Um, but, like, there's – yeah, that's just the reason why it works. And to be honest, I think the Panthers are either going to go nine and seven or they're going to go one and fifteen because their their offense is going to be efficient, but their defense is so bad that it might not even matter. Um, so I mean, I, I'm not like rolling into the season with um, uh, my my QB one being Teddy B, but I think if you're like taking I don't know, name a Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think it's a bad combo. Or that's a, probably a terrible. Two, I I'll, guess. But. I'll, 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 I'll throw this out there. Here's the deal. All these other quarterbacks are going around him. Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, Phillip Rivers even. Drew Locke, of course, with the upside. But Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Tua even if he ends up playing. I'll play all those guys. Tyrod Taylor, who's not even on this draft board we're looking at. I'm going to play over Teddy Bridgewater. I'm just telling you right now. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's also not drafted on this. I'll play him over Teddy Bridgewater as well. Dwayne Haskins, probably not. But everybody else, other than Jared Stidham, I'm probably going to be playing weekly over Teddy B. Now, if I'm in a super flex league, it's a different conversation. I may have to draft him uh, because I need a third and a fourth quarterback, so that's a different thing. But in a single QB league redraft, there's just no chance. So Teddy B in the 16th, I'm going to pass. All right, man, let's get out of here. Uh, give me your picks, nine through 16. Yep, Emmanuel Sanders, Henry Ruggs, Daniel Jones, Sammy Watkins, Alshon Jeffrey, um, I switched gears because Williams is gone. Went Goddard, Eric Ebron, and Larry Fitz. And I went with Carrion Johnson in the ninth, Miko Hardman in the tenth, Darrell Henderson in the eleventh, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey back to back Eagles in the twelfth and the thirteenth. I went with Golden Tate in the fourteenth, Adrian Peterson in the fifteenth, and Teddy Two Gloves in the sixteenth round all right that wraps up a, that was a fun series man i like that a lot actually um i i think it's interesting and, and this is definitely an episode we should rekindle in august when when, mm-hmm. when um, adp is really solidified because i think i learned a lot from this exercise actually you breaking yours down me breaking mine down like i learned a lot here and i think it's gonna be more accurate in august when we do this again when it's really draft season so we will definitely revisit this <clears throat> before we get out of here man Give us the abridged version, please, of what people can expect for the draft guide and let them know where they can find it. Yep. So down below is the link for the uh, – it's just a Google form uh, questionnaire, if you will. Uh, go fill that out. Um, if you talk to one of – if you know what the packages are beforehand, like just message me. It's not a big deal. I, basically, we need it for what package and your email. Like that's, that's all we need in terms of like how to get it to you and contact information and stuff. But go fill that out. Um, and if you – can't access it for some reason just message one of us and we'll make sure you get it or just send you screenshots or whatever so you can get it ordered uh if you have any questions just let either one of us know uh 
it's it's detailed enough that we understand what's in it but if it's not make sure to let us know so we don't leave you guys out of anything yeah and of course always ask questions man we're very approachable if you've ever dm'd us you shot us an email or you've jumped into a chat or whatever you know that we're personable we want to talk with you that's why we do this shit lucas and i could talk to ourselves without recording the content anytime we want to we record the content because we want you to have it so please make sure to you know give us a call anytime um give us a dm and, and, and we'll get with you for sure make sure you get into the draft guide on the 6th uh, uh july 6th again everybody with the tck ball listener league i know you're tired of me saying it but please hold strong a couple more weeks we'll get into it and um we will uh we'll have some fun down the stretch here man really looking forward to dropping this draft guide all right that was episode let's see um well, that was, that was the breakdown of the weeks or the rounds nine through 16. Again, learned a lot with this one. I want to bring this one back. Episode 216. We're coming up on 220, bro. We're going to be at 250 by the season starts, which I think is just kind of crazy. So um, appreciating the hustle, man. We're excited for another week. Hope everyone has a great rest of your week. Happy belated Father's Day. Again, bonus dad, uh, foster folks, um, anybody, surrogate parents, the moms pulling double duty. Big ups to anybody, uh, you know, taking care of the children, take care of yourself, take care of each other. It's another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure you drop a rate and review on the podcast. Drop a subscribe and a comment on the YouTube page. Follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and follow us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can join our Facebook group as well, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football page. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, and we – are out of here thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube